to see you on this lovely sunny day. Um, over the last couple of weeks, as uh, I've been just looking at different things, a song has come to my head, a song that is a spiritual song, a song that was used in the slave trade many years ago, and it's, I won't sing it to you, don't worry, but it's a refrain that goes, freedom, freedom is coming, oh yes, I know, oh yes, I know, freedom is coming. And that reading today that we've read is that idea of freedom, isn't there? What does it mean to be free? What does it mean to have complete and utter freedom? See, our reading that Joy read, if I was to try and paraphrase it, says something along the lines of, don't let rules get in the way. Don't let uh, man-made rules, human rules, don't let rules that all of a sudden you've constructed that you think are right, don't let them get in the way. You see, the writer was talking into a situation where someone was going, but, but actually, is it right as a Christian for, for one who follows God to, to eat in the way that others do? Is that right? And the writer's saying, yes, do all you can for the glory of God. Whether it's a way you're not used to, but do it for the glory of God. Don't think there are, are rules there that say, you can't do this, you can't do that. Where does Jesus, where does the Bible say you can't do this? Do all you can for the glory of God. And so what does it mean, therefore, to be free? What does it mean to be free? Over the last couple of weeks, we've looked at this idea of being resurrection people. Paul Gary spoke the first week about not having any fear. As those who follow Jesus Christ, we should not be fearful. Fearful of what others think. Fearful of, of the situations that we find ourselves. Fearful to speak up and to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. Last week, I looked at what does it mean to live it? What does it mean to practically live being a resurrected people? To, to go into situations and to know that, that actually Christ is with us. The resurrected Jesus Christ is with us. And this week I want us to celebrate, uh, to, to focus on what does it mean to celebrate being resurrection people? What does it mean to celebrate resu being resurrection people? Those who follow in the steps of a resurrected Christ. Not a dead God. Not a God who is not relevant. But a resurrected living God. And what freedom does that give us to live in that power? I'm going to ask a question that you might think is a little bit tongue-in-cheek. Is church freedom in Christ? Is church life-giving? Now the reason it's a bit tongue-in-cheek is it's a double-edged question. If we say no, then what do we need to do? But if we say yes, then I'll tell you what, next couple of weeks we can double our congregation like that. We can double it because it's so life-giving that we want to invite others. The friends we see around us. You know, church growth is easy. You just invite a friend. Everyone invites a friend. There we are, job sorted. But for me, and I've said before, it's not about numbers. 
It's about having a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if we believe that freedom, that we can celebrate being a resurrected person of Christ, and that we can express this through a Sunday morning, then why are our churches not full? Not just this church. Why is Wesley not full? Why is St. Stephen, St. Nick's? Why is Engage? Why are all these places not full? One of the wonderful moments over Christmas for me at the church services was not any particular service itself, but a comment I had from one person, and I won't, I genuinely will not name them, who came up to me after one of our Christmas services and said, well, if I knew it was going to be like that, I would have invited my friends to come along. <laughs> and, and you kind of you get the sentiment, at the same time, you go, why can't we have that everywhere? Why do we not feel that church is a place where we can come together and we want people to come and to celebrate? Why is it not like this? Or why is it like it is now? You know, let's go back to that reading that Joy read. The, the human-made rules we get. Where in the Bible does it say, and not the minister shall give a 20-minute sermon? Where does it say it? Where does it say in the Bible and the adults should stay upstairs while the children leave the groups and go downstairs? Where does it say that? Where under the Ten Commandments does it say, and though God said to Moses the Sunday service shall start at 10.30 on a Sunday morning and evening service at 6.30? Why do we do what we do and why do we do it the way we do? Now, church timings I can talk to you about another time, but there's a whole farming background that goes on with that. But why do we do what we do? Why do we think things have to happen in a certain way? Our reading today talks about giving life. Does someone standing up talking for 15, 20 minutes give life? What message does it say to the children when we're actually, we're the ones that stay behind and we send them out? Now, I'm not talking about changing anything, but I'm just asking us to think. What rules have we put in the way? What rules have we created? That maybe means that the church is a great expression of what it means to follow Christ, but maybe there's so much more we could do to be people who are free free to celebrate as a family what it means to live as resurrection people. We should be people of celebrations. Now, I'll be honest, some Sunday mornings I sit here and we're singing. It's, this morning wasn't one of those occasions, I'm pleased to say. But I sit there going, do you really believe what we're saying? What we're singing? Then we're saying, Loves Jesus, it's great, it's life giving, yeah. No! It should be life giving, it should be exciting. When we're singing, praise you, Jesus, we should be thinking, yes, I want to praise you, Jesus, because all you've done in my life. I want, I want people to know this thing I've got inside of me. I want people to know about Jesus in my life. I want the world to know. And yet sometimes, and in other churches, you walk into a church and you go, I certainly don't want what they've got. 
because it looks boring and it looks soul destroying. I want people to walk into this church and say, wow, I want what they got. The fellowship, the joy. Oh yeah, there's times of pain and sadness. But even in that moment, there's hope. You know, I think sometimes, rather than a celebration, we treat it like a party. I, I remember when I was younger, I don't even know the song, so I don't know the context. But at school, they taught us this song that was, it's my party and I'll cry if I want to. <coughs> you know, sometimes it feels like that, doesn't it? It's my party, oh, it's great, but I'll cry if I want to. And we treat it like a party sometimes because um, it was Joe's birthday last week, uh, my eight-year-old. And uh, he had eight people he could invite because the place we're going could only take up to eight. And sometimes churches like that, I'll only invite the people I want to. It was actually a celebration. As we, as, we, as we speak today, there's a celebration going on in London, isn't there? The London Marathon. Fools, all of them. But anyway. Um, <laughs> I, could run, I could run for 2.6 metres. That would be fine. Um, but it's a celebration. Come along. That's the, that's the message. They come along. Cheer people along. And we don't say, they don't say, well, you can only come if you've got an invite. Come along. Come enjoy. Come celebrate. Church should be like that. Come along. Come celebrate with us. We're not going to watch anyone run. But we're going to see something far more life-affirming than that. Jesus Christ, risen, resurrected. And it's going to be a great celebration. And Jesus makes it clear, doesn't he, all through Scripture... It's for everyone. It's not for the elite few. It's for everyone. Now let's go back even to the Old Testament. The people of Israel were God's chosen people. And there's a beautiful moment for me in the Psalms, and I think it's Psalm 122 and Psalm 123. Um, and don't quote me on that because I'm just thinking off the top of my head now. Where all of a sudden the psalmist goes from talking about the people Israel to the world. You know, and from that moment on, the message has been to all people, not the elite few. Jesus says in the Beatitudes, it's all people. He says in the parables, doesn't he? It's for all people. The constant move is that this is not a message for the elite few. It's for everyone. In the Old Testament and in the New Testament, the Pharisees and Sadducees, there's always those who believe they are the promise, the ones who will inherit the kingdom of God. And we can talk about that in more at a later stage and what that means and whether it's right. But they were an elite. But our freedom now means it is for all, not for some. The danger is sometimes we turn ourselves into the elite. We turn ourselves into God's chosen people. We turn ourselves into the Pharisees and Sadducees. And we've got this important secret and we're going to keep it to ourselves. And uh, it's got to be done in a particular way in order for it to make sense. And Jesus constantly saying, no. It's about my relationship with you, about God and God's people. And that's why at the end of our reading we get today, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. When you're working, 
do it for the glory of God. When you're out in the garden this afternoon fighting those weeds, do it for the glory of God. When you're praying, when you're walking, when you're shopping, when you're blowing your nose, when you're talking to friends, do it all for the glory of God. You see, if we are resurrection people, people who believe, believe in our lives that Jesus Christ is risen, reigning, that has to impact us. We can't, we can't ignore that. It's got to be life-giving. Our meeting together on a Sunday morning in, in different groups has got to be life-giving. We should come away on a Sunday morning going, yes, it has been good. As a, a phrase that was used this morning in our prayer session, it has been good to be in the house of the Lord. It has been good to be with friends. We walk out of here laughing, smiling. Because I'll tell you what, if we walk out of here looking miserable as sin, people won't ever, won't ever want to come here. But if we go out laughing, Smiling, not in a false ha 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 way, but a genuine relationship where people go, Whoa, what's going on in there? You know, even things like our Facebook posts, share them so that more can see that this is a place where we want to give God's life to people. Church is life giving. Now, when I was away on a holiday, I have discovered the most pointless game in the entire world. Well, it's not a game, but we went to an amusement, uh, Kids World, which sounds mostly terrible, but it was great because our kids could just go and run. Um, and they had dodgems there, and I never thought about it before. But dodgems, you know you've got bumper cars and you've got dodgems. Dodgems is the most pointless game in the entire world. Because all you end up doing is you've got this car that is capable of bumping other cars. You've got a, a wonderful beast in which you're sat in. And everybody is trying to dodge everybody else. And in the end, you're sat there going, well, this is just me driving round and round in circles, going through the motions. I'd much rather be in bumper cars, where the cars that you're actually sat in do what they're designed to do, and bump, and actually knock people. Dodging's just, if you think about it more and more, if you just walk around trying to dodge everyone, it's the most pointless, boring game in the world. But the cars are built for so much more. And this is the point. The church is here for so much more than just going through the motions of going round and round. Turn up on a Sunday morning, sing some songs, um, listen to some bloke whittle on for some time, uh, pray, uh, eat some biscuits, drink the tea if it's the right colour for me this morning, and then go home. And it's like dodgems. We're just going through the motions. It's boring. I'll be honest, if that's what we're doing, it's boring. But why can't we be bumper cars? Doing what we're designed to do, hitting it where it really matters, enjoying the, the exhilaration of, 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 of not bumping into one another, but, but really wrestling with what God's doing. I want us to be bumper cars, not dodgems. There's a quote for you, anyway. <coughs> but we have to have confidence. 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 
that this is life-giving, that this is celebration. There are some Sunday mornings, and this is not a, a, this is not a slur on anyone who's leading worship. I lead worship as well. And there are some times when I'm leading worship, and I just want to stand up and say, Stop! Stop! This is soul-destroying! Everyone needs compassion. No! When we sing, do all we do to the glory of God. Even if we feel like it, it's been the worst week ever. God is there to do it for the glory of God. So we need to have confidence in that. Not confidence in dogma. Not confidence in, in what we think we should be doing. Not confidence in, in these are the right ways, these are the wrong ways. But a confidence in the freedom that God brings. For you, is it life-giving? For you, is freedom coming? For you, is this a place that brings life rather than sucks it out of you? Whatever we do, we do all for the glory of God. Amen.